0: I'm Melissa Bonzak and welcome to episode 28 of Books Cubed. If you're watching on video, you will see that I have a smile on my face. My audiologist has figured out what's going on with my implant. And for the most part, the dizziness has gone. Uh, When I go to bed at night and sometimes in the morning when I first wake up, I'm a little bit dizzy, but I get up and I start moving around and the dizziness goes away. So hopefully over time that will end too. I'm a happy, happy camper. So sorry about missing last week, but every time I sat down to start to do the show, I felt sick. So I just finally gave up and said, yeah, forget it. So I've got a few before, before we do anything, I just want to mention a few comments, um, from the last, let's see, two shows ago, episode 26, um, this was uh, with Emaret Anderson. We were talking about her Hillcrest Witch Mystery series, and uh, let's see. I'm going to say your name wrong. I'm so sorry. Denise Denise Ponton said, "I have read all six books uh, so far, and I can't wait to read the Case of the Voice Bell. I would read books in other realms. It sounds exciting." and let's see julie blasky said hi i've already read all of Amrit's books and love them all caps i would definitely read any and all stories with other realms it was fun to view the podcast as i've never viewed one before but since you featured my favorite new author of my favorite new cozy series this was great thank you and then uh let's see i gotta go around to find them and then the beck88 said i love idris And I'm saying it wrong because she said short E sound. But where does the short E sound go? So I'm not even going to try it. Uh, It was good. Really enjoyed this show. Particularly, uh, these sound like great reads. And I'm looking forward to reading the prequel. And we had a contest going uh, last time that if you went ahead and um, commented, the question was, trying to get back to where I was before, where was I? The question was, there I am. The question was, uh, uh, Amaret has written uh, these books, The Hillcrest Witch's Mystery, and she has other realms with other uh, creatures. Um, And she was wondering if people would read other books. Would you read other realms if it was, say, vampires or werewolves? And apparently, yes, people would. So that was good to find out. I have a couple of recommendations also. Amaret has book six of her Hillcrest Witch Mysteries out uh, and you can find, I'll have links in the show notes. Um, Christine Zane who was featured last uh, two weeks ago and is a husband and wife writing duo. uh, They have a new foodie file mystery. The Bitter Bite of Betrayal is out and the foodie file mysteries were good. So I recommend those. And TK Lawyer, who was on episode five, eons and eons ago. I got to get her back on the show. She writes Paranormal, and she has a shape shifter, paranormal romance short story book out called Shifter Shorts. And that link will be in the show notes. And lastly, Lori Drake, who was on episode 11, uh, has a new book out with her Grant Wolves series, book five. This is werewolf dancing, excuse me, ballroom dancing werewolves. The werewolves are are dancing, yes, but they also ballroom dance when they're not solving mysteries and protecting their family clan. So it's a really fun series. Uh, Definitely, definitely check out any of those four books. And uh, this week uh, I'm recording the show just a bit early and um, kind of rushing. Uh, I hope you don't mind my um, stumbling over words here and there. I don't want to have to start over again because I need to get this done because I have to go pack. I am going to abandon my family and I'm going to head to Chicago for a writing conference, the Selmore Book Show in Chicago, um, this, uh, first weekend in May. And this is, uh, 2019. If you're, um, listening to this at a later date, uh, Anyway, so it should be a lot of fun. It'll be one hundred and fifteen authors getting together in a little room uh, listening to lots of uh, speakers. And I'm hoping to meet a bunch of authors and uh, and and expand my uh, my uh, group of um, of reads and people that I that I know. I, I, you know, as writers, you spend way too much time sitting in a dark little corner in your house and you don't get out a lot and meet people. So this is good. I'm really looking forward to this. And especially because there will be a bunch of um, fantasy writers. And I currently write, if you read any of my books, I have two and a third one coming out soon. And one of those two is really, really short. Uh, but I write um, a humorous adventure mystery. But I'm working on a fantasy, an epic fantasy, probably five books. So one of the fun things that I got um, on Rachel Heron's show, How Do You Write?, and I forget the lady, but I'm gonna put a link to it in the show notes. Uh, There's an author and I got her book. I should know her name. I should have written it down ahead of time. But she uh, has a a book out and uh, she talks about tarot cards and using them as writing prompts. And it was really interesting to listen to. And because I'm gonna be working on a fantasy series, I thought it would be a lot of fun to get some tarot cards. And give it a try and i did i had a blast uh I, i'm still figuring things out i got some really pretty pretty tarot cards i'll kind of hold them up um for you and there's the magician and let's see i'm probably making lots of noise here sorry here is um a lady what naked lady with jugs <laughs> called the star and um there were some really gorgeous cards but these had more had more, this is the tower, you see there, these were more, um, uh, you could see things happening on them. Some of the cards that I saw were really pretty, but they didn't really, they just had um, a picture without much on it, and and it, I, since I really don't know anything about tarot cards, I wanted to stick with something traditional to start with, so that's what I did. So I'm going to be talking a little bit about that as I work on this and um I don't know if you're interested in, in fantasy uh drop down into the comments and leave a, leave a comment and uh what kind of fantasy do you read? Uh, I'm right now I'm reading um The Magicians. Uh it's a TV series on sci-fi, but I'm reading I'm listening to the audio version of the book. And um I don't think I've grabbed any um, any small press or indie uh, fantasy books yet, but I'm hoping to meet some people and find some um, some good books to listen to uh, after this uh, weekend show that I'm going to. Okay, so for this week, I was going to read some chapters of How to Sex Your Snake because I'm rereading the book, trying to get myself back into June's mindset as I work on the next book in the series, trying to get it finished up and off to the editor and oh my god it is so hard to read a book it is super hard so and rosie does an amazing job she's my narrator rosie's widex so i am just going to put her files in and you get to listen to her and she is wonderful and there's a link in the show notes of how to get the audiobook. and if you have a local library i believe you can go to the library and get it for free even so that's pretty cool so uh Uh, Have a listen, I think you'll enjoy it, and um, I will see you afterward.
1: Chapter One I was going too fast. Gravel was spinning out from under the wheels of my pickup, and I could feel the tires slipping, threatening to launch me into the grove of prickly pear cactus that ran the length of the curvy road. Or was it cacti? Blast! I didn't care. I just wanted to get this over with. I tightened my grip on ten and two and pressed my slippered foot down on the gas. When a mailbox appeared, I hung a hard left and steered up a rock-lined drive until it opened into a field. A rickety two-story farmhouse popped into view for a second before I spun the truck till I was facing the main road again and slammed on the brakes. My purse took a nosedive off the bench seat and spilled its guts all over the floorboards. I really had to start zipping that thing. My wallet, cell phone, and assorted bits of life were now buried ankle deep in the stuff that normally lived in no man's land under the seat. I'd have to pick through it all later. For now, I wiggled the rearview mirror till I had a good view of the narrow steps leading up to the front door and laid on the horn. The sound scattered a flock of doves from a cluster of scrawny mesquite trees in the front yard and I instinctively ducked as they flew over the truck. Somewhere, deep in the pile of stuff, my cell phone rang. I kicked my feet around and hit something solid. Instead of a phone, I found myself holding a pocket-sized volume titled 20 Minutes to Death, 12 Fatal Black Mamba Encounters by Dewey Nash, star of television's number one nature show, Gone Herpin. Ah, my prolific twin brother. He really knew how to grab his audience. In the three years since the show had made him an international TV star, he had written eight bestsellers. As my cell continued to ring, I flipped the slim book over and looked down at the photo of Dewey. A pair of cloudy gray eyes peered out from under the locks of shoulder-length curly black hair while the upturned collar of a brown leather jacket protected against an imagined breeze. Above the photo, a series of blurbs sang praise for the author. All were filled with words like thrill seeker and daredevil and prominently featured some play on the word sex appeal. While my brother and I aren't identical, it's easy to see that we're siblings. We've got the same hair, though mine is usually contained in a thick ponytail. Same face, same eyes. On my brother, the image evokes an air of mystery and romance. On me, the urge for people to ask if I'm lost. With a grunt, I tossed the book on the passenger floor and kicked my feet around till I found my phone. I managed to unlock the screen and answered just before it stopped ringing. June, you need to come inside, Dewey said. I really didn't need to do anything of the sort. This was Morgan's place, and my no-Morgan streak was holding strong at nine years, eleven months, and seven days. There was no way I was going to break that when I was so close to an even decade. I have office stuff to get back to, I said. And I did. As Dewey's personal assistant, I answer his fan mail, set up his appearance schedule, and run interference from his hardcore fans, the Doozers. And while it might not sound like much, it easily fills my days. Till this morning we've been in Costa Rica on a three week shoot, and I hadn't been able to check my messages or log into my email because, as it just so happens, there's no internet in the jungle. We'd landed at two in the afternoon. Dewey had mumbled something about something. Maybe children with eating disorders. I hadn't really been listening. He'd taken our suitcases and disappeared into a waiting cab for home. Since I was never really off the clock and Since there was a big 20-city book tour coming up, I'd gone straight to my favorite dive for a greasy cheeseburger and a relatively stable Wi-Fi connection. I'd only waited through a quarter of my messages when Dewey had texted, Meet me at Morgan's. I'd ignored him. All I wanted to do was finish my work so I could get home and jump in the hot tub. I desperately needed to soak a few layers of rainforest out of my pores. And, of course, there was my no-Morgan streak to consider. Dewey's next text said my job was at stake, so here I was. You need to start leaving your Mustang at the airfield, I said. When gone, herpin' became the number one show on the Roar and Soar network, Dewey's agent had negotiated not only the use of a private jet, but also a salary ridiculous enough that Dewey could live anywhere he wanted. In the blink of an eye, my brother had his back in the sleepy little town where we'd grown up. 19 dusty miles from the Mexican border, the village of Horseshoe Bend, Arizona. Population, 2,627. It wouldn't have been my first choice, but he likes wandering the hills looking for reptiles, and I like the money he pays me to be his assistant, so Horseshoe Bend it is. Just come inside. Why the drama? I asked. This isn't about me and Morgan, is it? In the three months that we'd been home, Dewey had been on a nonstop crusade to get me to bury the hatchet with his best friend. Just hurry up. He disconnected before I could say no. Blast. Dewey's popularity in my mouth made steering clear of going viral a constant challenge. I'd been trying to cut back on my cursing since I'd come to work for my brother. You never knew when a tirade was going to end up on YouTube, auto-tuned by a creative fan. I got out and slammed the truck door. The doves, who'd settled on some feeders in the side yard, took off with an angry fluttering of wings. I caught a flash of red among the brown-bodied birds and shielded my eyes for a better look. When the flock turned into the burning intensity of the desert sun, I flinched and looked away. It was probably somebody's lost macaw. At the front porch, I ignored the black metal railing that looked as unstable as the house took the concrete steps in two strides, and pounded a fist on the door. It wasn't latched, and as it swung wide, I choked. The inside of Morgan's house smelled like an active sawmill. Do we? My eyes didn't want to adjust to the blackness of the front room. I leaned in the door to feel around for a light switch and came up empty. Blast! Who didn't have a light switch next to the front door? Dewey, I'm here! There was no answer. If he thought I was hanging around all day, I stormed in, expecting to sink into a couple of inches of sawdust. Instead, I skidded over some sort of sticky mess, went head over heels, and landed hard on my right hip and hand. A thin layer of goo squished under my various body parts as I pushed myself up off the bare wood floor. Ooh, what were the boys doing in here? June? Dewey sounded far away, and then pounding footsteps brought his voice closer. Did you fall? There's something sticky all over the floor. I wiped my fingers on my shirt and they bounced down the fabric. Don't move, you'll track it all over, Dewey called out. Just give me a second. There's a switch in the hall here somewhere. I flashed on the idea of Morgan coming home with a bag of groceries and dropping a gallon jug of syrup on the floor. He'd always been a bit of a klutz as a kid. Now, his dog would have had fun with the mapley spill. Wait, his dog? Morgan had a dog. And while she sounded like the sweetest thing in the world, she was from all accounts the dumbest. Her longest-running issue was remembering how a doggy door worked. After cleaning up the umpteenth puddle of piss left on the floor directly in front of the escape hatch, Morgan finally gave up and started leaving the backyard sliding glass door open all the time. Since whatever I slipped in was too thick to be pee, I started thinking about the other things that come out of dogs. And just like the fool who touches a hot plate, I lifted my fingers to my nose and sniffed. Instead of the expected doggy byproduct, though, I inhaled the distinct aroma of hot pennies. My mouth went dry and my stomach tried to crawl up my throat. I was the daughter of a nurse. If you weren't rolling change, the smell of copper meant only one thing. Found it! Dewey called out. I blinked when the tiny entryway filled with light, and then I screamed. I was standing in a drying pool of blood. Chapter 2 Shut up, June! Was I making that dreadful noise? I swallowed the rest of the scream and opened my eyes. An oversized metal claw snapped dangerously close to my nose. It was at one end of a three-foot pole. Dewey was at the other. You're okay. He snapped the snake tongs at me like that decided it. Was I okay? I didn't think so. I was thinking I needed to scream some more. Dewey read my mind and shook his head. You'll be fine. He threw the tongs into the hall and then dug his cell phone out of the pocket. His right thumb danced over the keys as the other hand waggled a finger at me. Don't look down. Of course, I immediately did. Hey, where were my slippers? I turned and followed the reddish-brown smears back to the door. There they were, where I'd just been, in that sticky puddle of blood. My feet kicked into action. I skidded and skipped, and another scream, probably one of my own, chased me past a steep wooden staircase and down a cramped, dark hall to the first door on the right. I reached for the knob as my shoulder hit the door. It flew open, hit the inside wall, and bounced back into my face. My scream dissolved into a squeak, and I dropped onto my butt. Ow! A shaft of soft light cut into the hall, and I glanced up as the bathroom door drifted back open. Inside, I caught sight of the faded yellow shower curtain, and for a hot second, I was ten again, and Morgan's mother was dead drunk, sprawled out in the tub, a spilled bottle of booze on the floor near the mat. She hadn't even raised her head when I'd flushed the toilet. Tingling brought me back to reality. I lifted a hand to touch my sore nose, and I caught sight of the red stuff on my fingers. Then I remembered why I headed this way in the first place, and I scrambled to my feet. I was torn between showering and puking. The former went out, and I threw a foot over the edge of the tub, lost my balance, and fell into the curtain. The more I tried to get free, the more it seemed to fold itself around me. No, wait, someone was trying to wrap me up. Formed. I punched wildly, connecting at least once before I was pushed against the wall of the shower with my arms pinned over my head. Hold still, June, you're tangled in the curtain! Warren? The plastic peeled away from my face, and I focused my eyes on the tin star above the breast pocket of the sheriff's uniform. Is Mom with you? When Dewey and I were little, and Sheriff Warren Mitchell was a fresh faced deputy, He spent a lot of time at the clinic where our mom worked as a nurse. While our little town wasn't exactly filled to the brim with criminals, the ones we did have tended to take the saying, don't go down without a fight, to heart. And Warren was always happy to oblige. Mom patched him up so often that it didn't surprise anyone when she started bringing him home for coffee. Dewey and I weren't the swiftest of kids. It was quite a while before we realized what that meant. Twenty years later, Mom and Sheriff Mitchell were still having coffee a couple of times a week. It's just me. Warren sighed and rubbed at his eye with the back of his wrist. You got me pretty good, he said. How's your hand? I looked down. My knuckles on my right hand were bright red. Should that hurt? I asked. It will. You're in shock. What are you doing here? Your brother had sense enough to text me. And you were nearby? There was nothing near Morgan's house, except Mom's. Her backyard was less than a football field away. Oh jeez. Dewey and I had interrupted a pot of coffee. I could feel my face flush as I dropped my eyes. Your mother wasn't home. I was just leaving her a note. Hey Warren grabbed my arms and lifted them up. Don't put your hands in your pockets. Why? I looked down at my fingers. Oh, yeah, I was covered in blood. My stomach gurgled and I launched myself at the toilet, conveniently wedged between the shower and the sink. No! Warren caught my shoulder, stopping my forward motion, and snatched the hat off his head. He swung it under my mouth just as I gave up the burger I'd scarfed earlier at Milsey's. When my stomach was empty, I straightened up. Sorry, I said, I was aiming for the toilet. I know, he said. I can't have you contaminating my crime scene. He eyed the mangled shower curtain, now lying across the edge of the tub, and added, Any more? He stared at it for a bit, then let go of me to dig a cell phone from a pocket. While he studied the screen, I crouched down in the shower and shut my eyes. I felt loopy, like I'd had too many shots of Zacapa on an empty stomach. June, are you okay? You're not going to faint, are you? Warren's voice had a panicky edge to it, and I almost smiled. It had been a while since he'd played the part of surrogate father. I hadn't realized how much I'd missed it. One of my guys needs to collect evidence. It's going to make things difficult if you faint in there. Eh, so much for a substitute dad. But I suppose the cop-flavored worries took precedence. You want to open your eyes? he asked. You want me to puke again? I had a good feeling I could go the distance. I've only one hat, he muttered. Keep him shut. After a moment, I could hear shuffling around the room, and then I was poked and prodded, and possibly bathed. I hummed to myself and tried to think about anything but blood. Of course, all I could think about was blood. Okay, new tactic. How did that song go? When you're freaked out and probably in shock, Count all your favorite things. What were my favorite things? There weren't a lot. Dewey and I always seemed to be working. Though there was that time engine trouble stranded us in Cancun. I flashed back to the beachfront hotel. Mm, That was one. The heated pool with a swim-up bar? That was two. The smooth, smoky rum poured into tall, tinted shot glasses. Three the bartender who was getting off shift in 15 minutes. Mm, Four. The hand-in-hand stroll towards that secluded spot through the coconut palms. June? Five, I muttered. What? Warren sounded concerned again. Blast, and I just said my list out loud. June, can you take off your clothes? My eyes popped open. That had been the next thing on my list, but uh, it certainly wasn't something I wanted to hear my mom's friend with benefits say to me. Warren cleared his throat and looked away. We need your clothes. I glanced over at the deputy, crouched down in front of what could have been a giant tackle box, and shook my head. Uh, So do I. You can put these on, Warren said. I squinted at the neon orange fabric in his hands. I don't think so. What's going on, Warren? I swallowed and bobbled my head in the general direction of that sticky puddle of blood. Where's Dewey? Is he okay? He ignored me and shouted at the hall. Is Dober here yet? Warren? He gave me a healthy dose of cop face and I shut up. There was no point in trying to talk to him when he was like this. A woman about my age stepped into the room. Her tall, athletic body was decked out in a black leather ensemble that got a sideways glance of approval from the deputy. Over-the-knee boots, miniskirt, vest, and long, blonde hair woven into a braid that hung down just the back of her waist-high jacket. The only things about her that screamed crime scene were the purple booties and gloves, and maybe the huge duffel bag she was carrying that had the Horseshoe Bend Sheriff's Department logo embroidered on the side. I must have been staring. She smoothed an imaginary wrinkle in her skirt and muttered, I was off duty. Warren cleared his throat. Stober will collect your things. Then he wagged a finger in my face. Do not take forever. Do not get back in the tub. Hey, how'd I get out of the tub? And above all, do not touch anything else. He laid the neon stuff on the strip of butcher paper that was now covering the bath mat and disappeared out the door. The deputy lingered just a moment. You should talk to your doctor about your exposure to unknown blood, preferably today. Great. Not only was I possibly contaminated in some death-inducing way, but if I checked in with my own doctor, Mom was sure to find out, determined this was all my fault, and... Then lecture me till I died from whatever I'd been exposed to. My only hope was the clinic on 27th Street. Mom and the lady who ran it weren't currently on speaking terms. Something about, uh, something. Maybe soccer? I hadn't been paying attention to the rant when I drove Mom home from the bar fight. And just in case the two had made up, a reasonable cash donation to the clinic would help keep the gossip from Mom's ears. I realized the woman in leather was still standing there staring at me. I'd already forgotten her name, so I just gave her an uncomfortable head bob. Was she going to stay? I have to confirm the chain of custody for your clothes, Leather Girl explained. "Mm, So that was a yes. I never considered myself a prude, but I guess I am, because I did a half turn before I started stripping, handing stuff back over my shoulder as I went. My jeans, a low-cut, tight v-neck t-shirt that worked best when I was braless, a brand-new blueberry-colored thong, and my favorite hoodie were all probably ruined. On the other hand, skin that had been covered with clothing appeared to be blood-free, so a win for me, I guess. The neon stuff that Warren had left turned out to be running pants and a short-sleeved t-shirt that promoted a Halloween-themed 5K. The fit was adequate, but the hue was so bright that I could make out my reflection in the shower tile. I heard Leather Girl's duffel bag zip. When I turned around, she'd been replaced by Warren. Foot, he said. What? Warren reached down and lifted my leg by the ankle. He pulled something purple from his pocket and slipped it over my bare foot. Other leg, he said, and tapped a hand against the calf. A little hop and my other foot was buried in purple, too. Put these on, he said, and my hands disappeared into matching gloves. Walk. He steered me out into the hall and pushed. Somebody had turned on all the lights. I glanced over my shoulders looking for Dewey and caught sight of the trail of bloody footprints that led back to the front room. My bloody footprints. Blast! How did I get in the middle of whatever this was? And where was Dewey? Where's my brother? Warren ignored the question. Walk. And then he twisted me away from the blood. The booties were made to cover shoes, so I had to scrunch my toes to keep them on. As I stumbled along, something nagged at the back of my brain. What was I forgetting? As we passed an open door, I dug in my heels and Warren almost tripped over me. I let out a low whistle and stared into what could only be described as a hoarder's paradise. Snakes wiggled in dozens of cages that lined all four walls floor to ceiling. In the center of the room, a table was covered in the same stuff that was always laying around Dewey's house. Hooks on long handles, small pieces of gnarly twisted wood, empty water bowls in various sizes, and red light bulbs still in their protective packaging. A few bags of Aspen shavings were stacked near the door. Dewey used to line the cages for his creepy crawlies, too. But his collection was nothing like this, which explained why the house smelled like a sawmill and why my brother had spent so much time here since we'd come back to town. And then I remembered what I'd forgotten. Morgan, where was he? After I'd fallen in the blood and Dewey had come running from the back of the house, he'd been alone. Where's Morgan? I wasn't sure I wanted an answer. And from the look on Warren's face, I knew I wasn't getting one. He tightened his grip on my arm. Come on. We passed two more critter-stuffed rooms before Warren stopped us outside a bedroom that looked like it would have fit into any normal house. Did you open that slider? I peered in the cage-free room. Hey, was that Dewey's suitcase sitting next to the open slider? I leaned around the edge of the door for a better look, and there was mine on the floor of the master bath. The idiot had come here straight from the airport. Blast. Practically everything I owned was in that suitcase. That's mine, I said, pointing. Do you think I could just... His look told me no. Blast. June? What? Oh, yeah. No, I didn't open that slider. Warren nodded, and we continued on our way. At the end of the hall, he opened up the side door, lifted up a strip of yellow crime scene tape, and gave me a gentle shove. I stepped out onto the tiny porch and sighed. The sun was about to set, and I was stuck in short sleeves. I gave my arms a preemptive rub. Are you cold? Warren asked. Have you got a sweater in your truck? I knew there was one in my suitcase. Maybe. There was a lot of stuff in my truck. Go have a look. He gave me another gentle push, and I was halfway down the stairs before I remembered why I was about to be freezing in the first place. No, wait! What's going on? That's a good question, isn't it? Warren asked. I was having a nice, quiet afternoon, and the next thing I know, I'm finding you and your brother at the scene of a possible crime. There's at least three liters of blood on the floor. You have any idea how it got there? No? Ask Morgan. I'd love to. Warren dug a little notebook from a pocket, freed a short green pencil from the spiral binding, and flipped to an empty page. You have any idea where he might be? He's not here? I flashed on the sticky red puddle. When was the last time you saw him? Three liters of blood? How how does somebody walk away from that? June? I shook away the image that was trying to form in my brain. When was the last time you saw Morgan? I don't know. Graduation? From college? Warren asked. From high school, I said. Warren looked surprised. You haven't seen Morgan once in the ten years since high school? You three were inseparable as kids. Only out of necessity. Dewey liked hunting for snakes, Morgan had a car, and I tagged along because it took me away from Mom's constant need to lecture me about pretty much everything I was doing wrong with my life. It had been a great arrangement. Till Morgan decided to be a jerk. The image of a broken, bloody body tried to creep back into my brain. I shook it away. You and Dewey have been back almost three months. This is a small town. How could you not have seen Morgan? luck? Warren frowned at me, and I shrugged. I don't know. I just haven't. I looked around for something else to focus on. The wooden fence that hid the backyard. Doves at the feeders. The path to my mom's house that cut through the field covered in prickly pear cactus. cacti C-cactus? June? Yeah? I turned back to Warren. I thought Morgan was helping out on Dewey's show. He is. He's doing PA work on local shoots. The pencil paused over the paper. PA? Production assistant. He helps out with whatever the guys on the shoot need help with. Carrying stuff, running errands, bleeding to death, alone and afraid. Blast. I hated Morgan. I really did. If he's Dewey's PA, why haven't you seen him at work? I don't go to the local shoots. Okay. He started writing again. You know anyone who had a beef with him? Uh, No. Suddenly my issues with the idiot didn't seem all that important. How about anyone he might have had a beef with? Wait. I almost missed the emphasis. Do you think that might be somebody else's blood? One last question. What time did your plane land today? I don't know. I'd had a watch when we left for Costa Rica. I forgot to zip my tent on day three and some sort of monkey snatched it, along with the only bra I'd packed. I didn't check. I just went straight to Milsey's. I'll need to verify that with Alvaro. He stowed the pencil in the notebook's spiral binding, and both disappeared back into his pocket. Do you need a ride? Do you really think that's Morgan's blood in there? All I got was cop face. Do you need a ride? he repeated. I folded my arms. I'll wait for Dewey. I think he's going to come down to the station with me. You're arresting him? This was not good. Dewey didn't like being cooped up. It's why he was always wandering the hills. The critters he found were just a bonus. And then I had a truly horrifying thought an arrest meant publicity. And most networks didn't like it when their talent appeared on the news wearing handcuffs even when they later turned out to be innocent. If Dewey lost his best friend and his show? Did I say anything about arresting anyone? Warren actually looked insulted. I'm still trying to figure out what happened here. If you want to put a label on it, let's call your brother a person of interest. Dewey would never hurt anyone, especially Morgan. They're best friends, despite my best effort. That doesn't mean a lot in my line of work. Warren said. I'll be in touch if I have more questions. For now, you can go. He disappeared through the door, and I heard the lock click behind him. I peeled off the gloves and hung them over the railing. Warren was crazy if he thought he was getting rid of me that easily.
0: I hope you liked that. Those were the first two chapters of How to Sex Your Snake, read by Rosie Zwaddock. And you will find a link in the show notes. And you have time to catch up on this book before the next one is out because um, the next one should be out sometime this summer. Sometime this summer. I'm not sure when. I am still finishing it, but it will be sometime this summer. So uh, you've got time, like I said. So I will be back next week with another great show. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions of books, drop down to the link in the show notes and drop me a message. I will see you next week. And in the meantime, go read a good book.